Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. So, um, I guess everybody got the show notes. We got some awesome worship and a message from Minerva before I got to preach my message, which is going to be on a very similar topic. So, way to go, God. He brought everything together. (laughs) He tends to do that. Um, Now, before we start, um, I'd like to say a prayer. Um, And this is kind of a prayer from you uh, to God. Holy Spirit, will you speak to me because I am listening? If you'd pray that prayer. And then if you would extend that prayer to someone sitting next to you or across the aisle, someone within eyesight. Lord, I pray for this person. Will you give them the faith and the courage to respond to you? And I pray that prayer to kind of uh, get me out of the way. I'm, I'm up here to, um, you know, kind of teach to you guys, let you know some things that God has put on my spirit. But if I flood some things or give you guys the wrong Bible verse or something like that, God will still use that and be able to speak to you. So with that, um, we're going to be talking about renewing your mind or meditation. So the other day I was actually talking with someone and uh, they asked me, what the difference is between meditation and prayer, if there is any. Now, he's a Buddhist, and so he comes from a very different background. Um, Oftentimes, uh, uh, Christians will talk about meditation, and there is a difference between biblical meditation and what some people call Eastern meditation. Um, And I kind of want to talk about that. Um, Now, this person had spoken to many Christians, and he had you know, some general idea of what Christianity was, but not very many people were able to answer him. Oh, well, there's no difference between prayer and meditation. You're just focusing on, you know, uh, whatever you're focusing on. A lot of Christians gave him a lot of different answers. And then we're just focusing on God. So if you change your focus, then easy. You're not focusing on Buddha, you're focusing on God, which is kind of the wrong answer, and we'll kind of go through that, but the three main differences between biblical meditation and Eastern meditation are focus, purpose, and outcome, and we'll kind of break down what all of those things are, kind of look into the Bible, and kind of figure out what is going on here. Why are we called to meditate, and why does it not look like the meditation that we're told about? So first is focus. What is the focus of prayer and meditation versus Eastern meditation? Meditation is the art of focusing. In simple terms, this is Eastern meditation. Um, You're focusing on what you're feeling, what you're doing, or what you're experiencing. You focus on your breathing. You focus on the carpet touching your feet. You focus on the subtle hum of background noise of your surroundings. And you begin to turn those thoughts into yourself and begin to separate out all of the, the uh, I guess, thoughts going around in your head. It's a difficult thing to do, and this is why it takes so much time for people to learn how to meditate this way. Um, those who get good at meditation claim to enjoy life more, being, fully, it being able to fully experience the moments that they're in. The idea is if you're focusing on Uh, the way that my socks feel on my feet. I can better, uh, I guess, ignore those 
those bits of information and then focus on you guys, focusing on the word, focus on the words that come out of my mouth. That's kind of the idea. Um, you can use it to focus on the homework that you're working on, hearing the scratch of your pencil, that kind of thing. That's the idea of Eastern meditation. Sounds pretty great, right? Meditation is the focus, this is Eastern meditation, the focus on a singular point, be that physical or external. Biblical meditation is also the art of focusing, but not on what is happening in, through, and around you. Instead, it's focusing on God. We're told to focus on three things throughout the Bible. And the first one is God's laws. So this is Joshua 1, 7 through 8. If you guys have your Bibles, you can pull them out. Otherwise, we will have uh, the verses up on screen so you can go home, read your Bible uh, as well. So this is Joshua chapter 1, 7 through 8. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Is that word meditate? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So at this point, Moses had died, and Joshua was taking over. And Joshua was praying, and he was worried. How am I going to lead the people of Israel? What am I going to do? And here, God actually repeats three times, be strong and very courageous. That's something that I tell my teens. If God repeats something twice, you should probably pay attention to it. If he repeats it three times, you should probably write it down. He repeats it three times here. Be strong and courageous. And then he says, meditate on the law. So at this point, Moses had written down uh, a bunch of laws and commandments. And this is before Jesus died. All that they had was the law. And he says, meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So he gives the why, the how, and then what will happen later. If you constantly meditate on what God has told you in law, it's harder for you to concentrate on the times that you screw up. It'll make your way prosperous. All of the things that he had, uh, he had given, a lot of these laws were just like cleanliness laws. Like, hey, you should probably wash your hands before you eat. Or when you use the bathroom, maybe don't do it in your tent. Go out that way, dig a hole, then go to the bathroom there. Then you can come back. Make sure that you're clean. Make sure that you are uh, draining the blood out of the animals. They didn't necessarily do that back then. These are things that now the USDA would freak out about, but back then they didn't know. There was no one, uh, you know, in immunology, no Dr. Fauci standing up there and telling the Israelites, hey, make sure you wear a mask. They didn't have that, but God wrote these masks, uh, wrote these, goodness, <laughs> laws. Sorry, you know what my mind's on. So in this, um, he tells us to meditate on that. Make sure you do these things. I haven't just put them out there for fun. They will make you prosperous and you will have success. So, meditate on God's laws. Next, God's work 
in our lives and in others. This is going to be from Psalm 77, 11 through 15. And again, I'm reading out of the NASB. Um, the verses up there should be in the NASB too. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have, by your power, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Now here in the NASB, it says muse on your deeds. Um, Your Bibles might say meditate. The idea is, uh, here, David is, is kind of complaining to God. His, his heart aches, and he's going through a really tough time. And he realizes, I will remember your deeds. I will meditate on what you've done for me. And here, he goes on to, uh, again, kind of complain a little bit, but then he starts to realize everything that God has done previously has gotten me to where I am. It's, got, it's, 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 bleh, it's given me strength. Um, he has been uh, told that he's going to be uh, a king. He's go- told that he's going to be a king of Israel. And at this point, he hasn't done very many kingly things. In fact, he's on the run uh, from Saul, who is the current king of Israel, and is trying to kill him. Uh, David, however, at this point, has killed the lion. God gave him the strength to kill a lion. He's killed Goliath. He went out with God's strength. He proclaimed that Israel would follow God, and he went forth and killed Goliath. At this point, he's also gone out and destroyed armies. Him and a small band, they were vastly outnumbered, and God gave him strength to go out and destroy those armies. Now he's just on the run from an entire army, but he realizes that in that, He's been given strength to do things that he shouldn't have been able to do. God was with him in that. If he focuses, meditates, thinks on, focuses on the things that God has done, the current circumstance doesn't seem that big of a deal at all. The third thing is God's promises. Psalm 119, 147 through 148. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your words. So here, uh, again, this is is David somewhere in a cave hiding from Saul, waiting for that promise to be king. And yet, he looks forward to it. So these these night watches, they happened um, every uh, few hours. And David, on the night watch change, would wake up and cry to God and think on all of the promises that he was given. He was told that he was going to be king. Now, he could have just given up on that. Well, there's no reason for me to pursue being a king. I'm currently on the run, and I have nothing to my name right now. But he meditates on those promises that God has given him previously, and he's able to endure. He's able to get through. We know David as King David because he then became king and he was able to um, even work to help save Saul. It didn't quite work out for Saul in the end, but 
David tried his very best. He loved uh, everyone, and he understood that God uh, was there to uh, not to destroy everyone, not to destroy his enemies, but instead David was able to bring love. Well, the Israelites that were, or sorry, the enemies that were in Israel that David needed to get rid of, God would destroy. But like the king, for instance, he knew that he needed to respect him and continue his work. The Israelites were told many times in the Bible um, to erect large stones as well. This is another example of meditating on God's promises. Um, You might remember uh, Jacob set one up after God came to him in a dream. This is in Genesis 28. Uh, He promised him the nation of Israel. He saw a stairway going up to heaven and angels coming up and down, and God spoke to him in that dream. So he set up a standing stone. Also, after the Israelites crossed the Jordan, this was when they were walking into the promised land, they erected a stone so that when children would walk by, they would ask, why is there a stone there? And parents who were there or grandparents could pass on that story to them and they could tell their children. The idea was that no one would forget. And you can find that story in Joshua 4. Um, What was really cool about this story, so they had walked through the Red Sea and the waters parted. Here the Jordan just stopped flowing. And at this point the Jordan was very wide and uh, rushing. Think like uh, Mississippi River. Not fun. Not something that you'd want to cross. Not like, um, I don't know, a little creek like sometimes is shown in like kids' books. Crossing the Jordan was not easy. So when God did that, he promised them that land. They put up a standing stone so that they would remember. And then also in Joshua 24, when Joshua renewed his and his people's covenant with the Lord, he put up a standing stone. God promised him that he would have prosper, or that he would prosper when he, if he focused on some of these things. And when he came back to promise that the nation of Israel would follow God's plan, he put up a standing stone so that we would remember God's promise. I will prosper you. You just need to follow these laws. I'll help you in that. Just follow these and you will prosper. And that's in Joshua 24. They put up a standing stone. Biblical meditation and prayer focuses on God and his justice. Again, we're called to meditate on God's laws, his work in our lives and others, and then also his promises. The idea is to stop focusing on the things of the here and now, but instead focus in our meditation and prayer on his promises for the future, his deeds that he's done, and focus on his word so that we can move past the sin or pain in our lives that's going on currently. When everything gets back to normal, we can still look back and say, you know what, that was a really tough time. God got me through that. And now I can have joy that I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. And then when things come back, or something different comes, you know that God got you through that other thing, and you can move forward. 2020 is kind of a lot of other things that we kind of just have to move past. But we're standing here today. If you think on all of the things that God's done to get you through, to get you here, 
That's stuff that can keep you going. That's the kind of meditation that we're called to do. Paul was captured many times, beaten and imprisoned, and yet he still had joy. Not because he was ignoring his problems. He talks about it. He was stoned. Um, And at this point, uh, that was basically like knocking somebody off a cliff and dropping large stones on them. Sometimes it would be, you know, picking up stones large enough to throw. Um, But the idea was you would pick up a stone large enough to equal the sin that that person had done to you. At this point, uh, Paul was claiming that Jesus was the Son of God, which was a blaspheme against God. So they just picked up the biggest rocks they could pick up, and they dropped it on him. Uh, He survived broken bones, bruises, all of that stuff. And then he got locked in prison. He was whipped many times. Instead of ignoring his problems, though, he praised God. Because this had happened many times. And still, he was able to get through. He saved many cities. He was able to bring up many churches. If not for God's work through Paul, I would not be standing here, and neither would you. Unless you're an Israelite and Jewish and descended from that. Then you can thank Peter. But uh, I don't think you guys are, so thank Paul. Um, Paul is what brought the church out of Israel and then brought it to the Gentiles. He's awesome. And he meditated constantly. In fact, there's a story where he is meditating, praying, and then begins singing at, uh, in the, the prison that he's in. And God uh, breaks the chains off of him. And he's able to save his jailer. He and his family are saved. That's the kind of thing that we're supposed to be focusing on. Secondly is purpose. As mentioned previously, meditation, this is Eastern meditation, is the art of focusing. Its purpose is to focus on something specific, but then to continue to expand that purpose to be truly aware of each moment that you're in. It's also to take negative thoughts and emotions, deal with them, and then cast them away. It's said to promote calmness and stay grounded. The idea is that you are focusing so much on the feel of your socks on your skin or the, the scratch of your, uh, um, what is this? It's a sweater. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the feel of the scratch of your sweater. So that when you go through something tough, you can think on those things specifically, grab the negative thought separately, deal with that negative thought, have emotions or whatever, and then throw it away. That's kind of the idea. You're, you're dealing with your emotions, but you're separating everything out. It's, it's kind of the idea, the best way that I can describe it, is separating yourself out from your emotions and everything else. Now, the purpose of biblical meditation is, as previously mentioned, to focus on God and to bring him into the current situation. He understands that you have a mind, will, emotions, a heart, a soul, a spirit, all of these things. Now, the emotion part, that's the fleshly part. That is the stuff that we're dealing with right now. God doesn't tell you to throw those away. He doesn't tell you to deal with them, contain them, and then move them to somewhere specific. Instead, he helps us through those situations. So I'm going to go through one, uh, sorry, Psalms 143 through through 7. 
For the enemy, enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. So David's dealing with some really heavy stuff, as we can see. And yet, next uh, sentence. Immediately, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as for a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. David here is petitioning God through meditation to see him, to help him focus on the times when God was faithful to him, to get him through the trial now. At this point, again, as I mentioned before, David is being pursued by Saul. His enemies had chased him everywhere and forced him to live in uh, caves and watch for his life. And yet, God had done so many things for him in the past that he could focus on those things and move past. He says here, uh, where is this? Oh Lord, my spirit fails. He is losing hope. He's starting to forget. And yet, in this, he was also meditating on God's promises. And then he gets positive and obviously becomes king and all of that stuff works out, which is awesome. But I want to ask you, again, what has God promised you? What has God done for you? What has God told you through his word? Focus on that. Focus on those things, and they will give you hope and strength to endure the current trial or challenge. And the final thing, the final difference, is outcome. Now this is Matthew 15, 8 through 20. At this point, Jesus had been preaching and the um, Pharisees and Sadducees came up to him and they were asking him questions. Like, how dare you? My, I like to imagine that this is Matthew writing. I like to imagine that the Pharisees and Sadducees saw some of the um, less scrupulous and clean disciples, probably Peter, um, you know, eating stuff without washing his hands. And they're like, hey, Jesus, he broke a law. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? This is Matthew 15, 8 through 20. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to them, he said to them, hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? He, he just told them what seems like on the surface. It's fine if they don't wash their hands before they eat. What Jesus was actually talking about, he answers here. He answered to them and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone, they are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both fall into the pit. Peter said to him that didn't answer anything, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth 
passes into the stomach and is eliminated. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Here, Jesus is talking about the Spirit. It doesn't matter, Peter, that you didn't wash your hands. Maybe go take a shower or something. You stink. You're a fisherman. You smell like fish. Maybe Jesus didn't say that. Just my own thinking. But what he is saying here is what you put in your heart will come out of your mouth. That's what defiles a man. Peter, you've been doing really well. You've been growing up yourself. In fact, we just had a really nice conversation. Uh, you know, Jesus talking to Peter. They were able to, um, you know, figure out some really cool things about Jesus. They had some slip-ups here and there, but Jesus could see Peter growing. Again, I'm kind of picking on Peter. I assume that a fisherman was not very cleanly. But he's telling him, that doesn't matter. What really matters is what you put into your heart. Because whatever comes out of your mouth, that is the important piece. Now, then comes a question. How do we make sure that what's going into our heart is good? And that's why I wanted to focus on meditation today. Romans 12.2, this is Paul speaking, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That part, do not be conformed to this world, that's the huge difference between Eastern meditation and biblical meditation. We are not to be a part of this world. We're not to conform to it. We're not to, uh, I guess, focus on internal things. We're not to focus on the world. Instead, we are renewing our mind. We're thinking on Christ. We're meditating on those things that are good, that are acceptable, that are perfect. All of those things provide goodness in our heart that we can speak out to other people. When we focus on, or what we focus on eventually solidifies itself in the heart. If we constantly focus on ourselves and our surroundings, we'll fill our heart with only that. And only that will be able to come out of our mouth. And here's the dirty little secret. You guys meditate all the time. All the time. How often when studying for an exam are you telling people about all of the cool things that you learned? That was me. But also, sometimes it was complaining. Why do I have to study this? This is so dumb. I'm going to have a calculator in my pocket for the rest of my life. Math teacher, you can't tell me what to do. Turns out I was right. But we'll move past that. I do have a calculator in my pocket. Uh, it's called a phone. But all of those things, I was complaining about that. I was thinking about that. I hate studying for this. I hate studying for this. And then all I could talk about was hating studying for that. I was meditating on that. Or sometimes when I'd find something really cool, like the War of 1812 or something like that, I just got super into it, and I'd tell everybody about that. Or, uh, you know, I'd be thinking, working on government structures or something like that, or some cool new thing in math that I'd figured out. I was studying it and thus meditating on it. Either way, what we 
what we do, that's what goes into our hearts, will eventually come out. Here's another fun thing that we want to draw attention to. Movies. I'm not telling you guys to stop watching movies, but how often after you finish a movie, that's all that you can think about for a little while. Now, if you continue to think about that movie, that is continuing to meditate on it, and eventually that's all that com can come out of your mouth. Um, for instance, for me, that might be something like Star Wars when I was a kid. I'd only think about Star Wars. That's all I could talk about until eventually it was just like, okay, kid, you need to like chill out. Think about something else. Here's cars or you know something like that. That is the type of meditation that we do daily that we don't even think about. It's just something that we focus on for an extended amount of time. And if we do it consistently, for instance, like a TV show, and again, I'm not telling you guys to stop watching TV shows. That's not my point. But the idea is, if you are thinking, oh, it's going to take so much time to pray and meditate and do all that stuff, it doesn't actually take that much time. You've got to do it all the time, every day. You watch a TV show, you're meditating on that TV show. If you can take five minutes to just take out of your day and pray, if you can take a little time to show up at 7 o'clock on Thursday, subtle plug, uh, you can come and pray with the entire congregation. That is meditation. That's the kind of things that we're talking about. The idea is not to focus on, all right, I'm scared about what's going to happen in the election. I'm freaking out about how people are going to react. If one person gets elected, how is the other side going to react to that, and vice versa. The idea is not to freak out and like come to God like, ah. If you're at that point, then obviously come to God like David did, and God will help you through that. But the idea is not to focus on that. The idea is to focus on what God has done through you, how he will get you through this next area, and all of the joy that you can gain from that it doesn't matter what happens in a month. It doesn't matter. What's on earth is temporary. Everything that we are focusing on is eternal. That is the purpose of prayer and meditation. If we are focusing on God and his glory, we can bring his love and power into our lives and fill others with that beauty. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, everyone. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.